on today's broadcast, we're going to continue in the series entitled The King's Meat. This would be part number four, and it is subtitled The Day of Wonders. Do you know that there's a day coming when the Lord will pour out limitless power to those that are not mingled with the things of the world? That's a wonderful word from the Lord, and what he's doing right now is preparing us for that day, getting the entanglements out of our souls. We're so ingrained with the things of the world that God is now taking the time to unravel the world out of the church that he may reveal himself in awesome ways. This is what we're talking about here in the series entitled The King's Meat. So I pray that you are ready today to dive into the rich word of God. Remember as well, this is shout out month. Send us a shout out. Let us know that you're listening to the broadcast, whether you're listening to it on the app, on the website, on the radio, or one of the other media outlets. We would be glad to hear from you. When you do, make sure that you tell us your name and the place where you are in this world somewhere. State, city, country, great. We will be glad to hear from you. We love you, and we pray that you are blessed by today's message. All right, without any further ado, here comes the message entitled, The Day of Wonders, right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. Before we get started this morning, we always want to be, um, my ears are always open to what the Lord is saying at the moment. I've been studying and preparing and preparing and praying and praying and, and seeking and seeking and praying and seeking and praying, but there is something right now that is on my heart that I need to deliver that to you. You know, there are tools I've seen. I've gone to mechanic shops, and some of you may have seen uh, huge tools, big hammers, right? Like sledgehammer. You've seen a big sledgehammer before? It has its purpose. And you've seen smaller hammers, smaller hammers. Some, I've seen some maybe that, that tall there. It has its purpose, right? I've seen huge screwdrivers, flathead screwdrivers about that big, that long. It has its purpose. And I've seen the small one, seen one that size, you know, the kind that's very skinny, very small, the micro driver that you can fit and fix your glasses with, right? The right tool for the right purpose at the right time. But I've seen in my mind's eye just the two, those two screwdrivers, one about a foot long and another one, the other one just a few inches long. I've seen the larger screwdriver say to the small screwdriver, hey, I'm bigger than you. You ought to feel inferior to me. And the small screwdriver's thinking, well, I'm not as tall as you are, maybe. But here again, it's the right tool for the right assignment. Many times in the body of Christ, we can feel inferior when we look at someone else. See how they may be flowing in the gifts or see how well they can speak or, or how beautiful they are or how handsome they are or how much money they have or, and how little I have. We can begin to compare each other, compare others to ourselves. But it's the right tool for the right job, right? If I need my glasses repaired, I don't want that one foot long flathead screwdriver. I want the right one for the job. Amen. But we can sit around the table and we can look at each other and belittle ourselves, but it's the right tool 
for the right job. All of us have an assignment in Christ, and all of us have value. But when we devalue ourselves, trying to compare ourselves with someone else, we actually rob one another. I have a toolbox in my office. It's one of those ratchet sets. And there are some little ratchet pieces, uh, some little ends, what do you call those things there? (laughs) Some of those little heads get used a whole lot more than others, right? They might know what I'm talking about. Some get used more than others. Let me break it down to the latest. You may have a sewing kit, and there are some colors that get used more than others, right? Does that make that bright green one less important than the black? You may use that black one often, but here again, all for certain assignment and purpose. If you have a bright green one, you pick up a black one, you're going to look tacky. Well, I don't know. Some of you have got some special styles. <laughs> but for most of us, right? The right one for the right job. You are the right one. You are the right one. I feel impressed of the Lord to tell you that this morning. You are the right one. Although we have been eagles hanging around with chickens. You know that you've heard the story of the baby eaglet that fell out of the nest and fell as a baby little eaglet and and fell among the chickens. And from day one, the little chicken chicklets looked at him. What's wrong with you? You're different. We don't like you. They talked about him and scandalized him and criticized him. And the more he grew, the older he grew, he began even more so to look different. His wings were longer. Beak was longer. Oh, look at you. You got the big old beak. That looks ugly. Look at your wings. That looks ugly. That's just hideous. I don't know. I don't know if I have these long wings. I don't know. I don't know. And he was really down on himself until one day they were out playing chicken dodgeball (laughs) and throwing the ball back and forth one another nobody would pick him because he was just he was different but one day while they were out playing he heard the cries that he's never heard before the cries of other eagles (laughs) it sounded familiar to him And he saw those that were of his kind, and they were flying and soaring, and he knew that he had another purpose. He was different for a reason. But if we go through life, hear me, if you go through life always cursing your differences or always cursing your weaknesses, we'll miss out on the gift of God for us will miss out because it is your differences in your weaknesses that God chooses to use. Remember the Lord told Peter, he said, uh, Peter asked the Lord, Lord, get this thing from me. Take this thing from me. But the Lord said, no, I'm not going to do that. Paraphrasing. He said, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. 
He's made perfect in your weakness. The very thing that we, def- the, that we despise, the very thing that we begin to, we try to cover up, the, the very thing we try to keep behind the corner. Don't want anybody, we don't want to appear to be weak in anyone else's eyes. The very thing we try to push away is the very thing that God can use to promote you. Let me give you an example before we, I haven't started yet, by the way, so I pray your, your clock is not ticking. Let me give you an example. Some of you know that I, I had uh, battles with stammering, battle, battles with stammering, stammering. This one particular time I was meant to be, and some of you were there, I was meant to be on a forum table there with a lot of other pastors and ministers at one of the local churches. And that week I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, prayed, Lord, please don't let me do it. I don't want to, don't, I don't want to show weakness. Please don't let me get up there in front of all those people and, and start talking like Elmer Fudd. Please, please, please don't let that happen. As other people around, hey, pray for me, pray for me, please pray for me, please pray for me. This is an area of weakness. Please, please pray. And so we prayed that weekend. So the day of the event finally came. Here we are on the platform, and I am nervous. And we get on the platform, and I get the mic, and I start stammering. Oh, God. Why, God, why? I start stammering. But then in the midst of it all, I stopped, I prayed, and then I felt the Holy Spirit come on me, and the speech was released. Isn't that something? But I say that to say this. I talked to that pastor, the, the leader of that forum. There are lots of people there. And he told me that, he said, you'll never guess this. You never know this. I said, what? He said, my people were so blessed by you. I said, what are you talking about? He said, they, they've seen you flow in the spirit. They've seen the words of knowledge. They've seen the gift of healings. They've seen all that. They've seen all that. But they were not impressed as much as they saw what happened to you that day. I said, what day? What day are you talking about? He said, remember the time that you stammered there in the program? I said, yeah. Yeah. He said, that opened their eyes to what? He said, that opened their eyes because they, they saw a weakness where they thought and knew that true strength was. That gave them hope to think, hey, if he's weak and has, I've seen this strength, if he has that, then there's hope for me. And years, maybe a year or two later, they're still, in some ministers' meetings, they still make reference to that day, and it still gives them strength. Isn't that something? So when we go into different places and you're going to have different events in life, we've talked about different events in life, different things that we are afraid of. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Different things that you would, if you had the chance, if you had a time machine button, you would stop time or you would change the event so that, so you wouldn't have to do that. You wouldn't have to go there. Right? Right. But it is, the, it is those moments that we run from. That's actually the power of God trying to be revealed through you. He wants to use that. He wants to use you in that area in some way 
That pain that you're going through is actually being translated as power and it will change their lives. But it's the still the same area that we run from. Maybe God wants you to be in front of the camera. Maybe he wants you to be behind the camera. Maybe he wants you to be singing. Maybe he wants you to go and talk to that coworker. But, oh, Lord, I'm so afraid. I don't know enough Bible. I don't know this. I don't know that. I don't know. But here again, courage, <clears throat> true courage is not the absence of fear. That's right. That's right. Courage is when you go and do it even when you are afraid. Amen. Are you hearing? Bravery may be the absence of fear. You say, oh, you are so brave. And to that person, no big deal. But beware of the one that is courageous. In scripture, God does not tell people to be brave. He says, be strong and courageous. He says, I know the fear is there, but if you move past the fear, you will see the promise of God revealed in your life. What are you afraid of? What's been dealing with you? What's been eating with you? For most of us, it is the fear of not being accepted. Are you hearing? Just like that little eaglet, not being accepted. There's something different. Why, why do you look like that? Why do you sound like that? Why do you this? Why do you that? Until you begin to find your pack, you'll never really know. Until you know your purpose and calling, you'll never really know. And you wander through the chickens playing chicken dodgeball. Boy, what a sight that would be. <laughs> Wondering, why am I here? I'm here to tell you that you're you eagles. God created you to soar. But don't belittle your gifts. You're a small screwdriver. Thank God for you. There's a use for you. Praise God. Keep your head nice and flat. We can use you. Amen. Are you hearing? Amen. Keep yourself together. We can use you. When the time arises, make sure you're ready. Okay? I pray you got something out of that in Jesus' mighty name. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, today... We want to speak from the subject of the day of wonders, the day of wonders. There is a day, and I can speak prophetically to you, there is a day of wonders that is coming. There is a day that God will use your gifts, talents, and abilities to the max, to the full. There is a day that God's going to use you in such a way it's going to blow your mind. And the work of God in you and through you will be undeniable. They will say, surely God is in this place. As he uses you with your gifts, talents, and abilities. He is calling all of us forth. He's calling all of us forth. He's calling all of us forth. So I wonder, will you heed to that call? Let's talk about the day of wonders. And right now, what we're actually doing as we've been in the subject, as we're still in the series, The King's Meet. And this will be part number four, I believe. As we're in this series, The King's Meet, the Lord is trying to, as we say, or he is encouraging us to get the world, simply the world or the King's Meet as we have it here, out of us so that he can use us greatly. There is coming a day of wonders. Let me tell you that now. 
There is coming a day of wonders. But not only a day, there is a time period of wonders, a season of wonders where God's going to use his body to do extraordinary things where the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ will rise with limitless power and the harlot church will be revealed and the world will know that Jesus is real. Are you hearing? There is a time coming. There is a day coming, a day of wonders, a season of wonders. And God's looking for someone. The Bible declares that the eyes of the Lord are going to and fro through the earth, looking for those whom he may show himself strong through. I'm trying to look for somebody. And it is in this series that we are concentrating our efforts to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit that he may prepare us for the day of wonders. Everywhere in scripture, there is always a reward at the end of the, of the, of the road. There is no farmer that, uh, that sows in vain or every, should I say it this way, every farmer sows in expectation. You sow an expectation. You, you, you're doing this to reap something. There's something ahead of me. No student goes to school without prayerfully hope of graduating. Are you hearing? Let's turn to the book of Daniel. Daniel, the first chapter. We're going to go back there this morning. Daniel, the first chapter. For the brief time that we have here this morning. Daniel, the first chapter. And uh, we've been here for the last few weeks, and we're going to go right back here. We're going to start at verse 8. You know what's happening here. Let me just do a little recap. Daniel, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Ezariah, and many others have been captured. The people of God have been captured and brought under Babylonian rule. And the king here is King Nebuchadnezzar. And the king has already decreed that the children of Israel, at least these, these four and many others, he has said that they should eat his meat, that he should, that they should have his provision. In short, he wants them to look like him. He's trying to indoctrinate them into the Babylonian society. Leave your homes, leave your families, leave your God, and now come and serve me. We've seen this, right? So when Daniel and uh, Hananiah and Mishael and Ezariah, when they were offered the opportunity, in short, to become like the king, to be indoctrinated, to eat the king's meat, they say in verse number eight, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. The word defile is also pollute. That he would not defile or pollute himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he request, requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile or pollute himself. I don't want that in me. Why, Daniel? Because I know that there is a day of wonders coming. I know that as I remain faithful to the Lord, I know that there is going to be a release of power on my behalf. And let me tell you this, child of God, I pray that you hear me. I thank God that you hear me. Don't let this slip. I know that this is a word from heaven. And I hear the voice of the Lord say that if he can find, or rather when he finds a people that is unmingled, he will pour out his power without measure. Let me say that again. When he can find a people that is unmingled, that, that, that don't have all of this stuff in them, 
that don't have the king's meat, the king's wine, that is, who are not mixing with the world system, looking like the world, those that have come out from the world and have become separate. And we're going to see words today like holy and sanctified unto God. Those that have come out and now are unmingled, now God will pour out his power in unusual ways. Those of you that sing, you're going to see another anointing come upon you when you just open your mouth. And at times, and those of you that speak, those of you that write, those of you that bake, whatever you do, you're going to see the power of God come upon you in such an unusual way that it will be undeniable. That you will not be able to deny that God is with me, that God is doing this. And hear me, there'll be certain seasons of time when you will be doing what you do for the Lord and it will seem dry. Seems like nobody's hearing that. Nobody's getting this, that nobody really wants what you have to offer. You're going to have those seasons. But in those seasons, if you just turn around and you'll see what God has done, you'll hear it yourself. Maybe there'll be a recording of it, either written or, or video or audio or something. Or maybe you baked a cake and you'll taste it yourself and immediately mm, wow this is the best I've ever done now how did that happen it was the glory that came upon the gifting that God has given you there, there is a day of wonders coming but we have to remain true and faithful to what the Lord is calling us to do are you hearing so Daniel said I refuse to pollute myself I refuse to defile myself with the portion of the king's meat and wine. And let's look over very quickly at verses um, uh, 17 through 21. This is what happened as a result of that. Verse 17 says, as for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Here was their reward. Here was that day of wonder. Are you hearing? Verse 18, now at, now at the end of the days that the king had said uh, he should um, bring them in, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before, uh, before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king communed with them, and among them in all, or rather, and among them was none, rather was found none like Daniel, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. And in all manners of wisdom and understanding uh, that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the, all the uh, magicians and astrologers that were in all the realms. Are you hearing? So in their day of wonders, they stood out from the pack. They were ten times better than the rest. Your music, your sound will be 10 times better than the rest. Your cakes that you bake, your clothes that you sew, whatever you do for the Lord, your cars that you fix if you're a mechanic will be 10 times better than the rest. The tables that you wait if you are a waitress, the, the, food that, uh, the, 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 the food that you cook if you are a chef will be 10 times better than the rest in the day of wonders. Whatever you do will be greatly multiplied and glorified in the sight of God if we can remain un mingled with the things of the world Amen. Amen. are you hearing Amen. 
Now, we talked about the day of wonders here again, um, coming in a time when we are set aside or when we are sanctified unto the Lord. Through sanctification, we set ourselves apart from the rest and unto God. Sanctification can also be defined as holiness. Now, when we talk about holiness, we've talked about this before. When you talk about holiness, a lot of people just get really just nervous when you talk about holiness. Why? Because holiness for a lot of people talks about a list of do's and don'ts. Are you hearing? It talks about a list of do's and don'ts. And we don't want to hear another thing that God says that we shouldn't do. But holiness is not about do's and it is not about don'ts. It is simply living a life that is dedicated unto the Lord. But we said that it is hard to do that when the king's meat is in us. It is hard to live a life solely unto the Lord when there are so many other things that we desire that are not of God. I wish somebody would say amen in here. There are a lot of things that we desire. There are a lot of movies. Boy, I used to love, and sometimes I still do, like watching some movies. But when the movies we watch have to be muted, have to be turned down, or have to be fast-forwarded, something is wrong. So that means that there has to be a culture shift. We've got to begin to ask God, God, cleanse me. Uh, Take the desire out of my heart for that. That there, there must come a day when we don't even want that, don't even want to associate with that. When we look at that, it shouldn't even be appealing to us anymore. This is what we're speaking about. When we talk about holiness, the word holiness, we can break it down like this. whole ness Are you hearing? whole ness Whole. Uh, W-H-O-L-E. Whole. Meaning the state of just being one. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Jesus asked the man at the pool of Bethesda, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be whole? Nothing missing, nothing broken. Why do we go out for these things? Why are the things of the world so appealing to us? Because there's something missing on the inside of us. That it has a drawing power. There, remember we talked about last week that there's a magnet on the inside of us and there's a, the other half of the magnet is out there in the world. And if the enemy can come around with that, come around you with that kind of magnet, with that type of thing, whatever your thing is, whatever your flavor is, if it's in you, it's going to begin to pull you in that direction. But being whole means that there is no more space for anything else. I am complete. I am full. I don't have any room for that in my life anymore. And when we crave the things of the world, we're simply saying, my heart is not full yet. That's what's happening. When we crave the things of the world, when we lust after things, we're saying, my heart is not full yet. My heart is not full. When we want to look at this or do that, the other, or gossip or, or, or complain or whine or bellyache, we're saying, my heart is not full yet. I don't want you to think that there's something wrong with you. Hear me. There's nothing wrong with you. But what you're actually saying, when these things are coming up in your life, you're saying, I'm not full. Because if we were full, we wouldn't desire those things. Are you understanding? We pray the Lord's Prayer. Father, uh, 
Uh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done where? In earth as it is where? In heaven. In heaven, I guarantee you, a lot of things that we enjoy, quote unquote, enjoy down here that we know are wrong, those things aren't there. So it's either we, we're in the preparation period now of being separated from those things because those things are unnecessary. It's like you're going on, out on a date with Jesus. Praise the Lord. You and Jesus are going to have a date together. And it's time for you to get closer to him. And he wants to talk to you. He wants to fellowship with you. He wants to, he wants to uh, share his heart with you. And he wants you to share his heart with him. But we say, Lord, I know it's time for our date. I know it's time for our meeting. But I brought my friend along. You don't mind, with, you don't mind do you? And I brought my other two friends. You don't mind with you. And the Lord's trying to talk to you. He's really trying to get close to you. He's really trying to draw you closer to himself. But we bring in all these other people and killing the mood all, to, all at the same time. Because they come and they're loud. Ha, ha, ha. And they are all this and they're abrasive and all these things. And they won't let you and Jesus talk. It is all these other things that we keep bringing into our lives that can hinder the fellowship. Are you hearing? Those other friends, we call them simply sin. Lord, it's me and you, but Lord, I got to have this little bit too. Jesus, you don't mind, do you? Come on in, Ruth Baker, come on. Yeah, Lord, talk, uh-huh. Yeah, Jesus, uh, hold on, Jesus. What, what? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead, Jesus, what now? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. Okay, Lord, yeah. <laughs> and so here's Jesus on the other side. He yearns to be with you. The Bible declares that the Spirit of God is envious he he wants your time he wants your attention but how many of you know we can spend so much time we can spend a lot of time doing the wrong things a lot of time sin will take you a lot further than you're willing to go it will cost you much more than you have in your pocket keep you much longer than you're willing to stay so it's our job now it's our duty to ask the lord to get these things out of our heart ask him to get these things out of our life because those two friends those few friends we have their purpose is to get between you and Jesus are you hearing but we're so attracted to them now I wish we could be honest and say Lord I'm attracted to that if you weren't attracted to that you would have let that go a long time ago but there's something in me there's something in us that's attracted to this and we, we should look up toward, the, toward heaven and say, Lord, take the desire out of me for that. Let me begin to see that, those, as ugly. So that I won't go that, go that way anymore. And fill me, fill my heart so that I won't desire that or another any longer. Is that plain? Is that clear? So as we talk about holiness now, why don't you stay with me, stay with me just for a moment. As we talk about holiness... Holiness is simply being one, nothing missing, nothing broken. And that's wonderful. Holiness. Holiness also means to be set apart. It means to be sanctified, to be set apart for God's use. Right? If we were at a, I need a volunteer. Somebody's going to help me right quick. I need maybe a child to come on up and help me right here. Praise the Lord. All right. Come on up here, Nick. Where's Nick? Praise the Lord. All right, well, I will take another child to come up and help me. Praise the Lord. 
All right. Well, okay. All right. We're a little bit bashful today. It's okay. I'd be nervous too being on national television. Praise the Lord. <laughs> we thank God for Eric. Now, Eric, we're going to pretend, okay? All right. We are at a, we are in a candy store right now. Oh, and look, Eric. There are Twizzlers over there and blow pops over there and gum. Mmm. And there is chocolate, all kinds of chocolate. Mmm. Mmm. You see anything you like in the store? Chocolate. Yes, yes. Yes, you're right. There is chocolate. Mmm. There's cotton candy over there. All. Oh, and you know what they said to us, Eric? They said it's all free. They said that we can get whatever we want. Isn't that something? So let's say uh, we get it. We grab, put some in your coat here, put some in your coat. And he got it all in his coat and everything. And we get home and we put it on the table. We set it on the table in front of us. And we both see this one chocolate bar. This is the last one because we've eaten and we're so, oh, are you, you sick too? Oh. Okay, okay, we're both sick, and we've eaten, but there's that one last chocolate bar that we both want so bad, okay? Now, what some people would do in, in, in my neck of the woods, if they wanted to keep something for themselves and they wanted somebody else to eat it, they would pick it up and sort of... <laughs> they'd pick it up and lick it, or maybe blow it. <laughs> and so, after I... I'm sorry, Eric. I picked it up. I licked it, put it down. Is Eric going to want to pick that up and, and eat it? No. Are you going to pick it up and eat it? No. No, no, he's not. <laughs> Simply because I have sanctified it. <laughs> it is now fit for my use. Is that fair? No. Okay. I'll buy you another one later. Thank you. Okay. All right. Give me a hand, would you? All right, very good, very good, very good, very good. Thank you, Eric, so much. Now, I have sanctified that chocolate bar. He won't touch it now. Now, some would wash it off. I don't care. I wash it off. I don't wash, you know. But most of us, after, after having been sanctified, won't touch it. It is now set aside for my use or set aside for your use. So being sanctified here again or being holy means to be set aside. We've been sanctified not because God has licked on us, although Lord have your way. But we are sanctified or set aside before God or by God or for God's use by the sprinkling of blood. In the Old Testament, in the temple, uh, the temple utensils, everything that was used there in the temple, some things were solid gold. And but they weren't sacred unto the Lord or sanctified or holy because they were gold. They were sanctified or set aside by the sprinkling of blood, by the blood of those sacrifices. The priest would dip his fingers in the blood and just sprinkle it, sprinkle it. Or he would get a, a hyssop plant and dip it in the blood and sprinkle it, sprinkle it, sprinkle it upon those utensils. And that made it holy. That said, this belongs to God and for no other purpose. This is one of the reasons why there was a king in the Bible. Uh, we heard about the handwriting on the wall. One of the kings in the Bible had uh, one of the evil kings had taken of the of the temples 
uh, gold and things and golden items and they brought it to his house and he was having a party. He was having a party and he brought all the guests over and he commanded those items to be brought out of the temple and they began to drink out of those items and just use them as common tools and God got really mad. And he saw handwriting, a finger beginning to write on the wall saying, this day, you mine, dude. <laughs> In so many words. Are you hearing me? Amen. No, no, no. Don't touch what is sacred unto the Lord, what is holy unto the Lord. And as we begin to sanctify, hear this, as we begin to say yes to the Lord and sanctify ourselves unto the Lord, or rather receive his sanctification. Let me say that this way. As we begin to receive his sanctification, as we begin to receive his holiness and begin to allow the Holy Spirit to deal in our hearts and to work with us and pull us out of the world system, we'll begin to see that it is the blood of Christ that is also sprinkled over us. And when the enemy comes to trying to use you God say that's mine is that making sense to you that's mine don't touch it and enemy says oh I was gonna put some cancer right there I was gonna do something but mm, Lord I don't want that mm, 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 mm. this is sanctified unto the Lord are you hearing say with me I am sanctified unto the Lord all right let's talk I told you last time as we're beginning, beginning our closing, let's look at uh, Romans, the fourth chapter. Let's look at Romans 4. Listen to what it says here. Romans, the fourth chapter. This is out of the uh, New Living uh, Translation. I love the way it reads. Don't often, but I like this one. Romans, the fourth chapter, verses 5 uh, through 8. And it says this way. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God, who forgives sinners. David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are uh, declared righteous without working for it. Let's look at verse seven. Oh, what joy for those who uh, for those whose uh, what disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. Isn't that wonderful? And the Father does that through the sin offering of Jesus Christ. When you received Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God imputes to you, the King James says, he imputes to you righteousness. He gives you the righteousness of Christ. When God looks at you, he no longer sees your weaknesses, your faults, your frailties, your sins, your disobedience. If you are a born again believer, he sees Jesus. He sees that it is the blood of Jesus that has been sprinkled on you and now you are set aside for God's use. Now, unlike a fork or a bowl or a cup, we got a brain, right? The temple utensils didn't have a brain. You put it there, bang, they will stay right there until the Lord comes. But we can walk off if we want to. We can be holy unto the Lord. When God looks at you, he sees holy because he purchased you with his own blood. And remember, holiness means being set aside, set apart for the Lord's use. He owns you. You are his. You are his. 
And because you are his, that makes you holy. Not because of what you've done or what you do. Not because you haven't cursed a day or you haven't done that last week or you haven't done this. Don't even go through all the sins. Don't, don't even uh, try to go through and say, well, I'm holy because I haven't done that. That has nothing to do with it. You are holy because God says you are. You are holy because of the blood of Jesus that was sprinkled on your behalf. Are you hearing? Now let me go through this very quickly. There are two types of holiness. We mentioned this last week. One is declared holiness. Here again, God says that you are holy. When you receive Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, his holiness becomes yours. When you receive him, you receive what he has. But we can still walk in ignorance, not knowing what God has already done. And we can go about trying to uh, make our own way. And that own way is called the second part there, manured, a manufactured holiness. Now, a manufactured holiness, uh, this is when, this is when uh, the Bible declares even in Romans 10. As a matter of fact, let's go ahead and turn, turn, turn there to Romans 10. Are y'all still with me today? Oh, I've got so much. God, is, oh, he's, he's awesome. He's awesome. He's awesome. Now listen, Romans, the 10th chapter. Let's look at verse number one. Are y'all there with me? Romans 10 says this, verse one. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for God, for Israel, is that they might be saved. For I bear them record uh, that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Uh, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness... We can also be ignorant of what God has already done for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness uh, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. You can go about trying to establish your own righteousness because of your ignorance and not knowing that God has already declared you right. Are you hearing they're going about trying to establish their own righteousness. Listen, verse 4, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Jesus, when he died upon the cross, when he shed his innocent blood, when he rose the third day, that put the period on the whole question of you being in right standing before God. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you say, Lord, come into my life. Even with all this mess in me, I know that I need you. Lord, come into my life. Even when I've just done this last week, or I know that I still have lust or desires. I know I still have a thing with drugs or alcohol. I know I still have a thing with women. I know I still have a thing with, with lying, cheating, or stealing, whatever your flavor is. But when you come to the Lord and say, Lord, receive me, the Lord will say yes. As you come to him with, your, with an open heart, he will receive you just the way you are. And at that next moment, he will declare you righteous. He will declare you holy. He will declare you sanctified. At that moment. Now listen, there is a difference between declared holiness and manufactured holiness. Manufactured holiness. I love this, Lord. Manufactured. Look at the word manufacture. Man, you Factured something. This is something you produce, man. God didn't produce this. This is a strange fire, we can say. Because, and there's a different, manufactured holiness is also called self-righteousness, and it is also called religion. 
Now hang with me for the next few moments. Are you with me? Because I'm about to put on my gloves and I'm going to hit religion. Are we in church? Yes. But listen, religion is different from relationship. Jesus did not come to give you religion. He came to bring you relationship. Religion simply is a list or we can say it's a code of conduct uh, given out to a religious group in order to uh, glorify or praise or or to, to win acceptance from a deity. This is why they do that because they they want to please God. What are you talking about, Pastor? This is why some people come to church. They are religious because, you know, well, I got to do my church thing, you know. You know, I got to go to church because, you know, I got to please the Lord. And they think that they're going to church is winning them brownie points with God. You know, I got to read my Bible, you know. That's the religious thing to do because if I read my Bible, I know that I will please God. You know, I got to go help somebody. You know, if you do that, you get better karma. They say you get better karma. And I know I'll do this because that will help me please God. Then I know I'll be pleasing in the sight of God. Let me go knock on these doors. And then I know that I will be pleasing to God. Religion says you do the work now and worry about acceptance later. You work now. Do this now. But here again, in religion, how much work can you do before you can erase all the shame and guilt that's over your life? How good can you be? Those that are religious say, Lord, I can't be good all the time. I got to have a little something, something on the side. I can't do this all the time. I can't be good all the time. I can't meet your standard. Jesus never came to give you religion. Are you hearing? Here again, religion says, work now. If you do this and you do this right, if you follow all these do's and don'ts, if you follow, and, and here again, in religion, there are always more don'ts than do's. If you do all these things right, then when you stand before God, he might be happy with you. But maybe he'll sweep under the rug all the bad stuff that you have done. That's what religion says. But Jesus says, when you come to me, you don't have to worry about working first and then worry about well, I, whether or not. Uh, you don't have to work first and then worry uh, whether or not I'm going to receive you at the end. He says, no, just come to me and I'll receive you first. And then as you work for me, you'll definitely uh, you'll work as you work for me. You won't have to worry. Can I say that again? Religion says work first and worry later whether you're good enough. But Jesus says, I'll make you good enough now. And then as you work for me, you won't have to worry. Did you get that? The Lord came to settle the question. He came to settle the question. Here again, religion gives people a false sense of security. They think if I just keep doing this, then God's going to like me. But the Lord is not admitting anyone into heaven based on your works. I don't care how good you are. He's not, you will not be admitted into heaven because of how good you've been. And you won't be rejected from heaven because of the bad things you've done. Let me say that again. And you won't be rejected for, from heaven because of the bad things you've done. People are only rejected from the presence of God because they have not received the blood of Jesus Christ. They have not received Jesus as Lord and Savior. When God looks into the Lamb's book of life, there in the book of Revelations, 
and, uh, and, and if your name is not found in that book, then those individuals will undergo the second death. Why aren't they found in God's book? Was it because they lusted or because they rooted, tooted, shooted, pooted? I don't know. Is that why they're not in the book? Are you hearing me? No, they're not in the book because they rejected Christ. And once you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your name is in the book. They'll find your name written in the book. Are you hearing me? It won't be blotted out. You receive Jesus and he gives you holiness. So some people say, I don't know, I can't do the church thing. I, 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 you, know, you know, I like what I do and you know, I know it's not right, but I, I like it. And, you know, every time I go to church or go around other people that are religious, they make me feel bad about the stuff that I'm doing. Let me say, let me, let me, let me bring this on home too. When you see Jesus in scripture, the only people he made feel bad were the Pharisees and Sadducees. Are you hearing me? He called them vipers and you're full of dead men's bones. But the quote unquote sinners... He loved them. He welcomed them in his presence. He said, come on over here, Bobby. Come on over here, Janie. Come over here and let's sit and let's talk. I cannot find anywhere where the Son of Man came to condemn. Hallelujah. But it is the religious that condemns based on what they see. But God accepts you based on what Jesus Christ has done, based on his finished work. So let it be established right now. Let's establish it right now now say we're going to do this right now as you've received Jesus as your matter of fact let's pray together right now just say father I thank you for the finished work of Jesus Christ I thank you that because of what Jesus has done I'm accepted in your presence I receive Jesus as my master my Lord and my Savior come into my heart Lord live in me make me yours and I'll serve you all the days of my life as you show me how now I turn from my sin and I turn to you and I ask you to forgive me for my sins in my life in Jesus' name. Now give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise. I'm telling you. Now in our last moments. Now as you pray that prayer sincerely. This is not a magic trick. Hocus pocus. Boom, boom, boom. And it comes. No. As God looks in your heart and he sees that you are praying that prayer sincerely. He has, he has wiped your record clean. And has bestowed upon you the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So now let the record be settled. Now let the record be settled. There is no amount of good things that you can do that, to make God love you more. And there are no amount of bad things that, that you can do to make God love you less. Because he's not looking at your works. He's looking at the finished work of Jesus. Does that make sense to you? And now because we're so grateful for the gift of Christ, now we're so grateful for his righteousness that was imputed unto us or put on our account. Because we're so grateful for it, we want to work for him. But we want to work now for a different motive. 
We want to work out of love. Lord, I want to do this for you because I love you and because I'm so grateful for what you've done. How many churchgoers won't go and quote unquote witness or won't tell anyone about the Lord? Not because they don't really want to. Sure, I'll do it, but I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't know. I don't know. There are a thousand excuses as to why we won't um, minister before the Lord to someone else. But the real reason is this. The reason that we don't go out and we don't spread the word is because we're not full. We're not overflowing. When I met my wife, and I'm closing, here comes the Bible, it's closing. When I met my wife, I'm telling you, I was floored. This happened over 20 years ago. I saw her, I was working in the courthouse as a paralegal there. And she was coming in on a class assignment uh, there in uh, Morris Brown College. And, and she was in the law program. And uh, yeah, so she came in and I looked up from my computer for a moment. Oh, mama. <laughs> the room lit up. I had been searching for a good thing, searching for a wife. And the Lord led my eyes and said, boom, whoop, there she is. And I knew she was the one for me. Are you hearing? And because my heart became full, nobody had to tell me. Nobody had to say, Mark, have you talked enough about your, your lady friend today? Don't forget, Mark. Talk about your lady friend to all your friends. Don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. Nobody had to call me and remind me. I, I was so happy that I had met the one that I was telling everybody. And when I went around her friends, I remember one of her friends saying, oh, you're Mark. Now that I have to call her and remind her, hey, don't forget to tell all your friends about me now. Do it with passion too. Do it with enthusiasm. And she had not studied me, so she didn't know a whole lot about me. All she knew that there was a handsome brother man. <laughs> well, Lord. You understand what I'm saying to you? She didn't have to know. All she knew is that she was smitten, praise the Lord. And 20 plus years later, I'm still smitten. And I believe she is too. Praise the Lord. Amen. Are you hearing? Amen. So why aren't we going and telling everyone about the Lord Jesus? Why aren't we sharing our faith with others? We're not full. In some cases, we have left our first love. When you become full, you won't have to worry about anybody telling you to go tell somebody. When you become full, you won't have to worry about, I don't know all the scriptures. I don't know all I know. When you're, when you're full, when you're overflowing, you won't care. You to say, look, I don't know all the Bible, but I know what he did for me. And I know I love him. I know that he has changed my life. I know Jesus is so fine. I'm telling you, he's the most wonderful man I've ever known. He's my friend. He's there with me. And your excitement, your enthusiasm, your passion for the Lord will be contagious. Are you hearing me? And the Lord will use you in great and mighty ways. But until that point and until that time, why don't we go? Because we're not full. We're not overflowing. So I'll ask you today, as we begin to close, as we close out, I'll ask you today, ask God to fill you once again. Ask him to give you a passion for him. Ask him to give you a fire for him. Ask him to, to help you to love him more. Because we need help to do that.
Ask him to help you love him more. Fill me with a passion for you. Fill me with a love for you, a greater love for you, a greater desire for you. Lord, help me to turn away from the things of the world and turn unto you. Purify my heart, Lord. Make me clean that you may use me greatly in the day of wonders. I pray you've heard the word of God today. We're done in Jesus' mighty name. Let's give him a hand. Hallelujah. Let's give him a hand. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Come on. Let's praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you've received that, if you receive that. Thank you, Lord. So the Lord has made a way again. The Lord has made a way. It's not about you. Please tell your neighbor for me. Tell him it's not about you. Please tell, please tell somebody, it's not about how good you've been or how bad you've been. It's about what Jesus accomplished. Are you hearing? So somebody says, I'm not worthy. What do you mean you're not worthy? Jesus already made you worthy. Say with me, I am worthy. Because it's not about me. It's about him. You are worthy. Praise the Lord. You are worthy. Let's let that be settled right now. In Jesus' name, I didn't get to even half of the things I want to talk about today. But, well, there's part five. Are you hearing? I pray that what you heard today was a rich, rich blessing in your life. Now, if you're in this place, those of you that are here today, if you feel like, well, I've backslidden from the Lord and I want to I get back in there tight with the Lord again. We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more. Right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10 Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.